Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Hey, it's Dave Plyer here with you here on 720 WGN. Glad you could join us on this beautiful Friday night in Chicago and around the suburbs. On the show, Chicago's very own Tommy Dreesen will join us as he's bringing his one-man comedy show back to Chicago next month. He's a comedy legend, spent so much time with Frank Sinatra touring with him for almost 15 years, and we'll have some time, good time catching up with him. It's also a full sports hour at 7 with Lauren Majera, just kind of looking into the weekend sports and talking Chicago Bears. But Pat Tomasulo from the WGN Morning News will also join us and talk about an upcoming event, Laugh Your Face Off, and uh, we're going to talk about what that benefits, it's the uh, Facial Pain Research Foundation, and uh, it's a pretty cool thing. Pat's been doing it for years, and we'll catch up with him about that. Then we'll talk to Paul Schaefer from Late Night and Late Show with David Letterman on Life after Late Night uh, and talking about a little bit about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame ceremony that's coming up uh, this November. Uh, Debbie Harry from Blondie just released a new boxed vinyl set and is playing the Chicago Theater on Saturday. And we'll talk to her in our third hour. But first, retired FBI agent Ted McNamara on Betraying the Badge on Vice TV. I don't think there's ever been a case like this one. Look at this. There were a couple of episodes where the episodes paralleled things that had actually happened. What we found with Hanhart was that the truth was more incredible than fiction. And the second season of documentary series Betraying the Badge is now on Vice TV and streaming on vicetv.com. The season premiere features a jewelry theft ring with ties to organized crime. They soon find the mastermind behind the operation is a decorated former police chief of detectives who was one of the very best detectives in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and early 90s. And behind the investigation and ultimate arrest is retired Chicago FBI agent, my former neighbor, Ted McNamara. Welcome in, my friend. Welcome, Nice, uh, glad to be here, Dave. You know, uh, us hanging around at a block party, having a beer, talking in the neighborhood. I knew what you did for a living, and uh, when I saw this special, I, I was wowed. I mean, you, you know what you do and what you've done, and the, and the cases you've solved in your uh, career is uh, nothing short of amazing. Well, thank you. It's hard to spill the secrets to uh, <laughs> yeah. somebody when you're hanging out at the block party and you're dressed up as Bozo. So. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, I mean, and I always knew you were a man of few words anyway, but I knew why. But share with our listeners, uh, what was the catalyst for you to join the FBI back then? And how many years of service did you have before you retired? I, I've been a special agent at the FBI for 27 years, uh, seven of those years as the supervisory special agent. Um, I basically first started, I don't know if anybody remembers the, the TV show Quincy, where mm-hmm. Jack Klugman was the forensic examiner, and, and you know, he would go out and do all the interviews and solve every crime that, that happened. And that's what I went to college for at first, to become a forensic examiner. But after taking chemistry and talking to some of the people there, they said, you know, he actually doesn't go out and do any of the interviews. The people like that just stay in the lab. So I kind of switched over more towards uh, pre-law uh, and then worked. I went to Northeastern University in Boston, and they have a co-op program. And I had worked for the Cambridge, Massachusetts uh, Detective Bureau all throughout college. So uh, that was kind of my catalyst to uh, really enjoy investigations. 
Very, very cool. Well, this docu-series on Vice TV was quite a while for me and all about a theft ring that stalked jewelry salesmen throughout the country and stole more than $5 million in diamonds in the in the 80s and 90s. Uh, and, you know, it's quite a story. It really is amazing what they, they compiled so much information on every single jeweler. Um, they would know, I mean, I interviewed one jeweler who said, I don't even tell my wife some of the information that you are telling me right now just for safety wow. reasons. Yeah. So it, it was incredible, the dossiers that they put together on these salesmen. Well, there's a lot more to talk about. Ted McNamara is a retired Chicago FBI agent featured prominently in the second season premiere of Vice TV's Betraying the Badge. And there's more with Ted after a look at your Friday night traffic. We're talking to retired Chicago FBI agent Ted McNamara about his role in the conviction of former police chief of detectives featured in the second season premiere Betraying the Badge on Vice TV. You know, when um, William Hanhard was his name, it was Chief Hanhard, and um, highly respected with a reputation as a cop's cop since 1953 with, he had an uncanny ability to solve crimes. Yes, absolutely. His, his reputation um, was that he would solve, you know, any crime that came his way. Um, just so happened, though, that some of the people that he investigated, he didn't solve them on purpose. Yeah, I was going to say it's very likely that he had contacts, some unsavory ones, to assist him in doing his job as a detective, as many do. I mean, you have to be out in the community and you have to get to know these people. It just depends on how you're dealing with them, correct? Yes, and usually you don't go to the, the dark side uh, like he did with your informants. Now, he was also a consultant on many movies and TV series, and that surprised me from the documentary, uh, the movie Thief, a uh, crime story with that starred another former Chicago cop, Dennis Farina. And the thing was, and it was is really bringing up a lot of questions, did the stories come first in these movies and these TV series episodes or the criminal activity? It was kind of hard to... Real, really realize which one came first? Well, uh, we believe the criminal side came first and they documented it in the TV shows. Um, after retiring in 1986, um, and earlier, I think it was 1979 in the documentary, they mentioned that um, that he appeared in a, in, in a black book of a thief that they caught and he was demoted and then all of a sudden promoted again. So he really found his way around the police department. I know that when he retired in 86, he had probably more power in the police department when he retired to promote and demote. But, um, you know, he tapped a Chicago police sergeant and a detective to access law enforcement computers to help him gather intelligence about jewelry salesmen targeted for theft. How does that happen when you're out of the, you know, you're out of the police department already? Well, he had such a good reputation and he had uh, his CIU unit, uh, people that were beholden to him. Um, you know, some of them obviously didn't know what he was doing. So he would call up and, and he didn't even have to ask for a favor. He was, just, you know, he would just call up and this is the chief. Can you run this plate for me? Can you get this piece of information for me? And they would do it. Uh, you know, some of them, we believe, knew what he was up to. And then others uh, were just kind of doing it because it was the chief calling. Um, you were brought in uh, because you have a reputation to solve you know, just about any case on the planet and highly respected within the FBI. And you were working with John Scully from the U.S. Attorney's Office. And this was what, around 1995, about nine years after uh, he retired? 
Yes, uh, we began the investigation in 1995 after we received um, some information from a confidential informant uh, saying that Hanhart was involved with this uh, nationwide jewelry theft crew. Um, so we, John Scully and I, we opened up a grand jury investigation and started subpoenaing records. And the first thing we subpoenaed was the calling card that this group uh, supposedly had been using. And as soon as we got the records back, uh, there were calls, you know, from Hanhart to his house, to his cell phone, uh, to his house down in Florida, the house up in Wisconsin. So we knew that the information that the source was providing us was extremely accurate. Well, and these locations that we're talking about were sometimes in the vicinity of these jewelry stores or where these jewelry salesmen were. And when you mentioned calling cards, by the way, I didn't really understand how that was involved in, in organized crime until uh, I think it was an episode of The Sopranos where they were trying to unload some calling cards and use them not only for themselves. But, I mean, seriously, that's how, you know, the average Joe probably learns about a lot of these things. But that was your first kind of, you know, clue into what was going on. Absolutely. And then things people don't realize with the calling card, when you get the bill, when you get the billing records, it's got the two and the from who you're calling, but it's also where you're making the call uh, from. So you can actually, it's like a roadmap of what these guys are doing. And they, they would travel all over the United States uh, targeting these salesmen because they're obviously traveling jewelry salesmen. So they don't just, you know, they're not just in Park Ridge or uh, you know, Chicago, they're all over the uh, United States. Yeah, he was in our neighborhood. And so, you know, I know you used to jog, but there's a story about one of your jogs. You, you, you know, uh, and it revealed something pretty critical about this case. Well, yeah, and it, timing-wise, uh, I, I don't know if people realize, but we were up on a wiretap, and every 30 days you have to re-sign an affidavit saying, hey, we're making progress towards a goal of the investigation. So we were listening to the calls, and it was obviously clear that they were talking about um, – targeting the jewelry salesperson, but they're talking in code. They never say his name. They say, hey, I saw him. I saw her. They would always say a woman. I saw her come out on the porch to get the mail. Um, and then there was a, there's a big thing parked on the street, and the, the tire is up on the curb. So that they're all talking in code. So one day I you know, basically spent the whole day driving around my bureau car trying to look at addresses of some of the people they had targeted in the past um, and was kind of getting frustrated. Nothing was, nothing was happening. So that night when I got home, went for a run and Paul Lackman's house is only about a mile, mile and a half for, from my house. And I uh, said, I'll, I'll run by his house just to kind of blow off some steam. And as I'm running by, there's a big Winnebago behind parked behind his car and his right front tires up on the curb. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, this is exactly who they're looking at. So I, I ran as fast as I could home, hopped in my bureau car with my wow. camera, to make sure I could get a picture of that tire up on the curb so we could put that in our next affidavit. What exactly did him in? Like, what was the what was the thing that he just didn't pay attention to that was that, that was blatantly obvious that, you know, led to his arrest? Um, probably just, you know, you get greedy. I mean, it's, he was doing it for a long time. Um, you know, you only got to make one mistake and, and then you, you get caught. Um, and, and they obviously you got to continue to make thefts to finance your lifestyle. And so they were, you know, constantly out there looking for different jewelers. And so, you know, they, they, uh, 
they got sloppy. Even until the end, the conviction, there was a mixed reaction about this man. You know, he did have a reputation not only for being a great detective, but a good friend, a cop's cop, a family man. It was really hard to believe, you know, for people to believe in the community. And some people in the police department had their doubts and their questions about it. But it was hard for people to believe what had happened because he, he did also, you know, contribute quite a bit to the police department at some point in his career. Oh, absolutely. He was, he was outstanding. Uh investigator and it's i mean the whole situation is tragic nobody you know the fbi wasn't out to target him as a as a person we received information we just followed up on what the information was and and, and led to him I mean, nobody was um out targeting him as as trying to you know ruin his reputation right right, yeah. right. ice cube is the narrator of this docuseries did you ever think in your entire life in your career that he would be uttering your name like 30 times in a docuseries <laughs> Absolutely not. My my daughter definitely made uh, has made fun of that uh, <laughs> to me several times. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I will tell you what the season premiere of Betraying the Badge can be seen on Vice TV and on Vice TV uh, dot org. Um, seriously, thanks for hanging out, Ted, a little bit on air and sharing some of this. I mean, it's we only touched upon a, a few of these items in this hour long docu series, um, but interesting nonetheless. And thanks for all the great work you did and for your service. Thanks for having me on, Dave. Let's have a cocktail soon. Absolutely. All right. Take care, Ted. Thanks, pal.